Hello, listener, and welcome to the third edition of Area de Rigori, ADR, for BreakingTheLines.com. I am your host, Danish Iqbal. My Twitter is Danish Sizzlite. Yep, and yes, that is from The Simpsons. Every week we'll be discussing all things Calcio, North and South, Allegri, Abraham, all things Calcio, all things Italian football, good and bad. This week on ADR, my guest is Scott Monroe, all the way from the beautiful town of Swindon. Hi, Scott. You all right? Yeah. Hello. Thanks for having me on for episode three. Uh, a very cold Swindon. Been a very cold Swindon for about a week or two now. Yeah, it's, a, it's a winter time, isn't it? It's, it's cold yeah, in yeah. the UK, it's... I guess, right now. Not exactly Italy, is it? But I mean, the Italy's, uh, Italy isn't warm this time of year either. No, I can vouch for that as I was in Rome about five, six years ago, about this time of year, and it was bloody cold. Five, six years ago. Yeah, when was the last time you were in uh, Rome? 2019, March. So it's a good couple of years now. Catch a game? Where'd you go? Yes. Yeah, I watched Roma Empoli. It was Claudio Ranieri's first home game after Di Francesco got sacked. God, that's a throwback. That's it a throwback. was, yeah. I forgot Ranieri just. Uh, I, I forgot Ranieri took over after Francesco was, was out. Yeah, so he got the, what was it? Was a, it was like a caretaker job for what, the last, so we call it March, April, May. Yeah, and then Roma got Fonseca. So yeah, it was about two, three, three months. Yeah. And it ended yeah. okay-ish. Corona <laughs> was just remembered as a beer. Yeah. <laughs> the good old days. Life was uh, different and a bit simpler. That was the Di Francesco days when they got to the Champions League semi. Correct, the yeah. The gods of, of Rome and they beat Barcelona yeah. and they got to Liverpool. Shout out to Di yeah. Francesco, wherever you are, man. I hope you are buzzing off your payouts. They got fired again this year from Hellas Verona. But anyway, moving on. Plenty to talk about this week. Uh, normally, we have some crazy. We have a bit of lunacy. This, I mean, obviously the Serie A has some loopy loopy standards to adhere to but this one seemed like a pretty normal week or a normal week as in you know we had some giant killings top teams faltering but as in there was no crazy scorelines uh, this week to talk about for once no four fours with Udinese scoring in the 99th minute which exactly. happened the other week against Lazio um, no it was quite calm and casual um, we were talking off pod weren't we so we managed a couple of catch a couple of games each um it was pretty calm not as chaotic as it's been this season no, so I, far I'm miss in Italy. That. I love the chaos yeah. man anyway it's still still lots of things to to dissect and go through i think maybe it's also winter so this is like the business or as sir alex ferguson used to say squeaky bum time season so mm. things are sort of filtering out now you know what i mean it's not it's not like the early earliness of the season where everyone's just just go 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 all the time it's sort of um, teams getting some guile together and figuring out what they want to do, trying to set themselves up for a good second half of the season. Let's start with Fiorentina's 4-0 win against Salernitana. Last week also we started off with the team beating Salernitana. Sorry, Salernitana fans. I want to talk about one man in particular, Susan Van Blanistroy. La, 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 La Can we, was that good enough? Was that? <laughs> you tried it off pod, I, didn't you? I, I, I thought I'd nail it on pod, but I didn't. Dusan Blavic, but very, very similar to uh, Rudvan Nesroy. Oh man, what um, what a twenty 
Yeah, what a 2021 he's having. Is it 31 goals this calendar year so far? Um, he's a hot commodity. Um, I, was, I saw someone quoting 70 million euros. That's what Arsenal were linked with him. I was thinking, if you're him, do you leave Florence? Not for Arsenal. To go to our, not for Arsenal. No offense, but, um, Arsenal no, sorry, Arsenal listening. fans. Sorry, I, Arsenal. Yeah. I don't know why Arsenal fans would be listening to this, but sorry, Arsenal fans. No, no they probably want to see some Italian uh, talent come over. Um, I know they're going through some problems at the moment. Pierre Aubameyang doing some naughtiness. Um, yes, but yeah, do something. Decent Vlavic. I'm really, really impressed with him. Um, I think Cesare Prandelli, when he was in charge of Fiorentina last season, really got the best out of him. I know Prandelli was in charge for a little bit because um, he took a break due to mental health issues, but Vlavic has literally hit, hit the ground running since, I want to say, this time last year. Um, I, we were talking again off pod, like saying, uh, I always look back at Vlavic's stats from last season to where he was struggling. Um like uh, when the season started in September, he had like one goal in I think it was his first 13 or 14 matches and that was against Sassuolo. And then he just yep. went on this mass. Oh no, uh, it wasn't Sassuolo. He did score against Sassuolo. It was against Sampdoria, apologies. But he also scored against like Sassuolo, Hellas and Juventus. And then just went on this mad run and ended with like 20 plus goals. And then this season is just magnificent. Yeah, there's always this rumor of of him going to Juventus, but it's actually going to cost a shed lot of money. And if he does go to Juventus, I think they will improve with him up front because they look a little bit toothless. But yeah, I'm so impressed with Vlavic. I think he's got the perfect coach for him in Italiano, uh, Vincenzo Italiano, sorry. He's doing a fantastic job at the moment. Yeah, I... I, You you, you mentioned earlier uh, how much of a good 2021 he's having. Only Robert Lewandowski yes. has scored more than him in, in 2021 in the calendar year. So he's on, it's only between him and Lever, really. Uh, Fiorentina now only six points all of a sudden off Napoli in fourth. Only six points off fourth because obviously Napoli dropped uh, dropped points this week to Empoli losing. But that's not... Uh, all of a sudden they could be in the running for Champions League places, but it isn't just losing Blaovic. It's also Nico Gonzalez was playing very well. Aventura who's got mm. a great goal this weekend because Torreira in midfield as well. Uh, but Vlavic is, I mentioned earlier and, and mucked up the joke about Van Nistroy. I've never seen a player so close to his style of play. He's a real poacher and box on the box, but also his hold-up play is just class at bringing other players into the game. Yeah, I'm really impressed with his back-to-goal work. He learned it. Holds the ball up really well. I was watching the game against Bologna last Sunday lunchtime after doing a little bit of Christmas shopping. Um, um, so, yeah, I managed to watch that. And I was so impressed with him against Gary Medell, who had a really good game against Roma in the mid the midweek prior. But, yeah, um, just like, I think the style, the sorry, the setup that Italiano has got, like the 4-3-3 with the, the two wingers up top and then the three in midfield with the, or a defensive midfielder, it really suits him. Like last season, Fiorentina played like a 3-5-2, and it was quite dull, and it was quite boring. It, it was, never, it was very rigid. Yeah, very rigid. Very rigid. Oh. Never really got anything out of it. Like Vlaovic just like was feeding off scraps, and he was turning chicken shit into chicken salad, and then he got, got so many good goals. I think <laughs> the, the Fiorentina that, like, that they, they won a, in Turin against Juventus and he scored and uh, I just remember the the run that 
And then everyone was just going mad on social media. I think we're just seeing the. I think they're going more mad this year. Yeah, this year. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people were saying, oh, it's just COVID and he won't score again and blah, blah, blah. Um, but, but he's absolutely killed it this year. But he's definitely feeding off the fact that the team is playing better football now, playing with better players. I love watching Fiorentina this year. Seriously, I love, I love watching them. They'll, but they, they, they are cautious to they'll either lose or like most likely win. They, they probably won't. It's either one or the other. They, I don't think they've had any draws yet. Uh, no, they they lost to Empoli in the derby, didn't they? Not so the two games ago uh, on that Saturday uh, Saturday afternoon. Uh, then that tweet went viral with the Fiorentina fans and the female journalists, which was quite bad. Uh, then they beat Bologna. Uh, then they won against Salernitana. Everyone beats us beating Salernitana this season. They're the whipping yeah, boys. Sadly. Sorry against Salernitana. I do don't think they're probably. I think they'll be down by March, probably at the yeah. earliest. Yeah, I was saying this last week, to Alex, but I, I think they're nailed on for, for relegation. Oh yeah, um, it'd be a tough play or two for, for other teams when they're fighting at the bottom. But Slavic mm. at the whilst playing extremely well, and also just a quick side note: I don't know if you saw Vincenzo Italiano's turtleneck. Oh, it's brilliant. Oh, it's fantastic. White, white turtleneck. I do like her turtleneck this time of year. Keeps your neck warm. And swag. No swag, doesn't it? Swag, but with a Fiorentina badge on the turtleneck. And then, obviously, Italians have this sort of natural, good-looking uh, essence to them. We we just we Brits probably don't have. No, I mean, do you remember Stefano Pioli doing it a couple of years ago in the Fiorentina colours? And does it in the Milan? Yeah, I mean, I hope I hope he isn't wearing a Fiorentina turtleneck now, but he's he does it now, turtleneck and with the bald look, turtleneck, beard, no hair, cream chinos, white white trainers. That could work, yeah. That could work. I mean, maybe obviously not for us. No, no, you know. My hair is probably one of my favourite features. But anyway, going back to Slavic uh, <laughs> and, and Fiorentina, what could happen or what could transpire? Juve might come in for him yeah. and he might end up going to them when they might not get Champions League. And Fiorentina might, okay, I don't think they'll get Champions League, but they'll, they might have some say in perhaps Juve not in a, 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 a European spot because it is, it is tough up there. Yeah, um, I hope he stays at the end to the end of the season, and then takes yeah what? takes um, takes Fiorentina into Europe because I think that could be one of their aims for this season because they've started so well and just um, just playing this dynamic attack in football. Um, and he's the focal point, and he's part of the the plan to. He's thriving. He's thriving in the system right now. Yeah, and he's thriving as well. Yeah, um, but um, I can see him going in the summer um, I hope Rocco Camiso gets a very generous offer Absolutely, of his yeah. valuation of what we yeah if it's 70 million 70 million euros I did see Zach tweet out the other week saying 70 million is too, too little I'm thinking maybe we are in COVID times where there are teams who are struggling you you don't have that money though no no how would they get that money Nobody in Italy, nobody in Italy has that money now. No. Not, not even. So do you reckon, well, I mean, no. Inter don't have suit. Well, they, they have Suning, but the Suning don't no. have any money uh, anymore. They could do this creative counting. He says with 
insert quotation marks but no it could be like these two-year loans where you pay you pay a little up front and then after yeah. two years you pay the the full work at the end well, I, like, I gather they, most, they're doing that with federico Chiesa. so could Yes, yeah, but no, I just hope he like Vlajevic stays. He's thriving, and they're playing excellent football. I, I was going to tweet this out last week, but I think they are one of the best teams in Serie A to watch this season, along along, along with Inter Milan at the moment under Inzaghi. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely fun. Inter, yep, Inter. I would also put Atalanta up there just because it's Atalanta. Oh God, yeah. Um, Sassuolo as well. I'm I'm lo- I'm loving watching Beyonce's uh, Sassuolo at the moment. Mm. They were good against Milan a couple of weeks ago. Sadly, I didn't catch the game against Lazio, but I saw the highlights, and it was just like wave after wave after wave of attack. So it looks like the like the blueprint from last season has been taken on into this season. Yeah, it's still there. Yeah, let's move on to talk about the old lady and Juventus problems. Problems. Juve. 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 Allegri. More like what? What is going on at Juventus at the moment? What? What? I mean. It's been going on the whole season, really. I think that they expected a lot more out of Maxim, Maximiliano Allegri, or Max Allegri, as he's, as he's formerly known. But what's happened is some of the tactics that he's actually come out with are just far too rigid and, and far too in the past for Juve to progress this year. It's a bit dinosaur tactics, isn't it, from a, from a bygone era? Um, it really is. It really is. There was less pressure on him this year to deliver because you clearly said, look, okay, we don't have too much money at the moment. COVID has just happened. We're still recovering from that. We have lost out on match day revenue for a year. We had to sell um, Ronaldo and, and other other players, sell Demoral to bring in Locatelli. They don't have the infrastructure. So they thought, okay, we'll go back to basics. We'll get in the guy that we know, Max Allegri. At least he can make us tie at the back. He hasn't even really done that, but you're just right. It's it's dinosaur tactics from Max Allegri. They've dropped two points this week for Venezia when they really shouldn't have. So as a Roma fan, I'm used to suffering away at Venezia, um, losing 3-2 there <laughs> just before the November international break. Yeah, um, I caught the highlights. It was um, it was quite strange. I, to be honest, I've watched a little bit of Juve this season. I, I'm sorry, Juve fans, and I probably some of them probably agree with me. Find them quite boring, boring to watch because the four four two is quite. Well, I don't. I don't think they'll agree no. with you there. This is. It's literally Allegri terrorist ball. Yeah, Allegri, the man who leaves rides at the altar ball. Sorry, that's the second time in two weeks I've mentioned. Yeah, that's, 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 a, but that's that's so funny. That's a, it's probably the most interesting thing about him. <laughs> it's a niche joke for people who will get that um, about his private life. But yeah, it's just um. He he used to play like um like three five two and then a four two three one. Do you remember their front four from a couple of years ago of Higuain, Dybala, Mandzukic, and was it Ronaldo on the right or was it Quadrado? And it was just I think they interchanged and or brilliant. Was Higuain? Yeah, it was Dybala. Um, you're right. Yeah, Mandzukic. But he, I think he he switched it around a bit. But at least there was some variation. Yeah. Um. But he had more of a solid midfield to rely on. It, he had he had a Kadera, he had a Matuidi um, to come into the team. I thought the de- the defense was at its peak back then as well. It, that was a that was peak. What BBC? Um, yeah, the glorious bastards as they're known. Yeah, 
Renato Benucci, Bizarrely, yeah, Chiellini, and then they they may have had like a Martin Cateres to come in, who was who was at the Juve at the time. But yeah, it's just their midfield is. We'll say it again with the creative accounting of the transfer of last season of Pjanic and Arta, um, and I've seen Arta is wanting to leave Turin. He was a player basically brought in for Sari. Yes. Uh, before after, before Sari was sacked. So now he's gone. Yeah. Running around going, oh, Maurizio, where's, where are you? <laughs> where? I'm, I'm, in La- I'm in Rome, managing Lazio. Um, I might need a DM. Yeah. I think there is rumors that are going there now. Ah, yeah. That'd be, that'd be a good move for him. Which would make sense because I'm not really sh- Like, ever since that wildly silly swap for, for where Pajanic went to Barca and after came to you, mm. he's just sort of meandered in mediocrity, really. Yeah. That midfield is like uh, some games this season, and I've seen people, uh, Juve fans, tweet out he's got Rabio playing wide left, and he's got. Um, so. Yeah. No. Who knows what to do with the midfield options? But I also think that some of the dangerous things now for him and the rest of the season are mm. he's tried a lot of different variations. You can see he's identified it as a problem and gone, okay, it's still early in the season. Let me figure out what works here. He still doesn't really know what, what works there in midfield. Dybala came off worryingly again in the 12th minute. After he, after he went off injured, it feels like you were just out of ideas again. Yeah, he's the linchpin. Um, but having, having said that, having said that, Alvaro Morata had an all right game. Um, he needs to step up and become a leading man for you. Like he, almost in his entire club career, I feel like he's been on the cusp of that guy who you think, okay, this guy could actually lead the line for a few years. And then he just doesn't. Uh, they, they get the, the goal, so to say, so to speak. They get the goal. And then Allegri goes, right, 1-0. You know what it's time for, lads? Shut up, shop. And for like the umpteenth time this year, they've dropped points when they haven't really needed them. Do you feel like you've watched the same Juventus game all season? <laughs> Where, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, I'm glad. I'm- yes, 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 yes. That's good. That's a good analogy. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Where I should probably stop watching you again. <laughs> um, They're all the same. It's, it's like a memento. Yeah. It's that I felt like, um, like I watched some. Well, ground, sorry, Groundhog Day is a bit better. Memento is the one day just forgets everything. Yeah, Groundhog Day, yeah. yeah. I felt, I, I watched the, the Salernitana game a couple of weeks ago and he changed formation. He played like a 4-2-3-1 where, was it Dybala and Moise Keane up front? And then he took off Keane and brought on Morata. Morata scored, what, five minutes later? With, I think it was his first touch. And complete, just like, he looked completely different. Um, he, he played Kaya Jorge up front on Saturday, didn't he, as the second striker with... Morata, I saw that was he sort of had to because the Abalo went off into it. I was surprised Moise Keane wasn't in, to be honest. Yeah. I do. He's he's very raw. No. Um I quite like Kai Georgia, what I've seen of him in Brazil. Um but he, I mean I know Freddie Freddie Kesa is still out, but Ibala is is their highest goal contributor with fourteen. He's got eight goals, got four assists. Yeah. Um, and he was yes. looking, at, at times this year in, in spells, he looks like he was getting to his best, but, but that's going to be a tough one for a leg to deal with. Oh, yeah. That's a big blow. 
Do you think he should drop the four four two and go four two three one? Yeah, and have uh, like a number ten like Dabala. I know he's going to be out injured, just behind um, the focal point of uh, Morata, and have like a Locatelli. And who oh, could you have a, next to him in midfield? Bentancourt? Or they're too similar in midfield, and then oh, that's fine. I think Locatelli and, and McKenny clean yeah. up his work. Yeah, work this year. McKenny's a bit more of a workhorse. Yeah, he's like a box to box. There was weird games this year where he he tried McKenny sort of a bit higher up the pitch. Mm. Where I was, just, I was just thinking, just I think get the two sorted. Um, Locatelli is obviously in there to unlock defenses and mm. make sure the ball is being spread out correctly and progress the ball. McKenny can do the dog work in in the middle. You can switch him switch him about with Rabio, who frankly he's been uh, shoehorned in so many times this year. I don't even I don't think anybody knows what's going on with him. Yeah, but I would try McKenny and Locatelli in the two. Obviously, Dybala's injured now, so bring Freddie Kiese in when he's back. Uh, but try the three behind Morata and free Dejan Kulusevski because he needs to be freed because free Kulusevski, baby. Yeah, because. I have no idea what Allegri's doing. Like, Kulisevsky was amazing on loan at Parma the season before. Uh, he was okay last year, too, under, under Pedro. I think yeah. an uncomfortable truth hmm. for Juve fans might be that Pedro was actually okay. There was certain there was certain times where you thought, okay, that's a bit rubbish. There were certain other things that he tried where you go, oh, that was okay. But the football was a lot better as well. Hmm. It was. It got results. Um, I don't know if you've seen the, the documentary yet, All or Nothing, but I've only I've only seen. <laughs> I've seen parts of it. Parts of it. Parts I've just seen is just Ronaldo yelling though. Yeah, and he, he, to be honest, Pirlo comes across all right in that, especially in the cup final. I've only seen clips of it online where he tells Chiesa to actually pull your finger out and just decide to run at players, and it won him the cup final. In yeah, at the Mape, but yeah. <laughs> Chiesa as well is another one who was, uh, for me, one of the best players in the league last year. Um, he's been so stop-start this year because Allegri doesn't know, again, what to do with him. It just feels as though, I thought as well, and the, the, the hype in the summer was Juve getting somebody who has been there and done that. The man has uh, four Serie A titles. He's been to two Champions League finals. This guy knows what it takes to win and to bring back that sense of like Juve aura, you know, like the, the beat your chest, Cellini Bonucci, the everybody hates us, but we love that everybody hates us and, and we're just going to win. Uh, that it hasn't happened at all. No, it's it's been a struggle. Um, and um, he's Allegri is copping flack, and I sort of do agree with it. Rightfully so, yeah. Rightfully so, though, rightfully so. I mean, I'm one of his conscious supporters, but I, I think he's do some, do some flack. Yeah. Um, Especially just, for the way Perlo sort of got it in, in his yeah. deck last year. Yeah, just set up with a, a formation that you're comfortable with. Don't go back to the four four two and play with two defensive wingers and no creativity in the midfield and just have two shuttlers in there because um, it's stagnating the team um, and the fans are not liking it at the moment. He's got to find a way to score goals. He's yeah. got to find... The, the only way it can't be Okay, look at Telly. Go figure out how to make penetrative passes. Or okay, Dybala, Rome, go free, and you be the output. You hmm. need you need other plans or means to uh, find a way to 
score goals, basically. Quadrado, as well, was terrible in this game. He's been one of the most consistent performers, but he was horrible. How much did he spend time on the floor? Sadly, I didn't get to watch it live, so I can't really comment on that. But he's a guy who's... He's a, he's, uh, to be honest, I thought he was Juve's best player last season. Uh, yeah. He was. He was him or... Him or yeah, um, but I feel he's a frustrating player to watch where I, I do make the joke that he spends more time on the floor than he does on running and trying to create stuff. Um, but yeah, um, I just think if they can get find something for him, because like, he, he's played a bit at right back, um, I think his probably best position is probably right midfield. Maybe. Where, where he played this, this weekend. If it, yeah, this weekend, yeah, but... <sighs> He's just such a frustrating player to watch because um, he tries to entice fouls which aren't there and then he gets frustrated if someone just literally breathes on him and then he goes down like a sack of spuds. But after, he's such... Last season he had a... Like, Pirlo had a formation and uh, a style of play where it was, it was like... Some of the commentators on the world feed would like thinking, is it a three-five-two which morphs into a four-four-two, which sort of goes into a four-three-three? But Quadrado and Chiesa really benefited from that this se- uh, last season. Sorry, and then this season there, like Chiesa struggling. Like he played a couple of games up front as a defensive striker along with Morata and then he's played on the left and he's played on the right I think his best position is like either in a like he had at Italy where he played in a 4-3-3 he can play in a 4-2-3-1 and literally stay on the right or stay on the left where you can cut in on the left or stay on the right and get your exactly yeah one of the best best players in terms of cutting in yeah. And being a threat from there. I think surely the Euro should mm. that, but he was trying him up front. And I don't know, it just feels like Allegri's tried a lot yeah, of space. It's, it's not working. Team. If he can just find a settled formation, like we said, the 4 2 3 1 on work, or could he go back to the 3 5 2, which it, he worked beforehand, where he played it when they won the, the Scudettos after Conte left, when it was a settled formation where it wasn't his midfield like Pirlo, Pogba and Vidal. Lost like that's scary with Marquisio in it as well. Yeah, but I mean, those three are gone. And his midfield is now is even McKenney, Rabiot, Artur, um, Locatelli, Bentancor. It's, it's, nah, it's not good enough. Find, find it. Basically, find something that works for you, Allegri. Yes, yeah. I'll just stay muted at the, at the end. Allegri needs to sort it out. Also, the fact that you've got some really, really tough games coming up in, in January. And by January or February, they might be in even more of a bigger struggle than they are to get fourth place. Let's talk another rival this weekend that dropped points to, not Minos necessarily, but a lesser team in the league. Milan drew 1-1 at Udinese. Oh, I, I saw this game. It was just Milan looked incredibly absent. Everything was off. Everything was slow. Everything was just laborious. Uh, I know they have injuries. I'm, I'm getting sick of saying it with Milan. Every week they have injuries. No Rebic, no Leao, no Giroud. But still, that's not... You, they could have made more with this, with what they had against Udinese. Everything was just obscene. And that 40-year-old striker bailing them out again in the last couple of minutes of the game with another bicycle kick, which he did yeah. score at the weekend. Like, mimic... <laughs> 
again and I think there's talks of him getting a contract extension for next season but I just wanted to ask you do you think that this Milan team uh, are tiring a little bit after the Champions League run Hmm. the squad yeah yes yes tiring but they also don't have the squad they don't have the squad and they're decimated by injuries Um, I feel like I'm a broken record talking about Milan and injuries but like I, I bet Milan fans if, if you're listening, I bet, I bet you're sick of hearing it. Um, <laughs> they simply cannot compete with the squad of Inter's size. Inter this weekend, for example, switched it up. Zeko didn't play up front. Instead, okay, Alexis Sanchez came on. 30 minutes to near the end, he, he brought on Vidal. You can, mm. Morning Zaghi's got the ability to interchange with players because Conte and Baroka left him with a good squad. AC Milan and Pioli, who has coached very well, don't have the same attributes or resources in the squad. No, it's a, um, I don't know if you would agree with me, it's a, it's a quite a young squad. It's a quite young, inexperienced, with a, a sprinkling of experience. So you've got Simon yeah. Kier at centre-half, who sadly is injured for, the, for, I think, the foreseeable future. You've got uh, two experienced strikers who I think the combined age is 75 with Slatan and, excuse me, Olivia Giroud. Um, and then you... Who's injured again? <laughs> He's injured. And... Uh... <laughs> it's like a bit of a... It's like a... It's like a bit of a... Oh, this bad. Oh, he's injured. Okay. Nice. We got... Oh, he's injured too. Yeah. <laughs> And then you've got like some really young, exciting players in Raheem Diaz, um, Rafael Lau, who are the, the, who's injured. Yeah, uh, and like Tenali is really coming to his own this season. I think he's really found a place in the midfield. I really like Ismail Benacer, such a wonderful, elegant midfielder. But they do have a problem in midfield: is Frank Kessie, where. His contract is running out. Yes. It's running down and he's one of many players this season in Italy and in, in Europe where he's a high profile mid player and he's wanted massively by a Premier League club in Tottenham. I just wonder if it, that is a massive problem for Milan at the moment where they could yeah. they really yeah. can't afford him to lose him for free. But this can be the massive law of Tottenham, Conte, Premier League football, the money in over here. In the UK, Premier League money is different to Serie A. It, it's more... Yeah, different to anybody in the world. Um, yeah, it's, it's a massive financial package, isn't it? Frank Kessie as well, you cannot play... Okay, you have contract problems, this, that, the other. And this is one thing that I hate with, with modern football in general When because players have so much power these days. Mm. When... 
an off-the-pitch matter spills into your game performances, which is kind of what's happened as well, for instance, with, with Paul Pogba in the, in the past. Paul Pogba will be known from his time at Manchester United, not just for being on the pitch. Yes. You know what I mean? I don't think Kessie would want this situation to develop into that, but it's it's hanging over him as a player. Also, you cannot play like the way he's playing in the last few games. No, he's... he's and yeah. then stole over your contract. He was not good when he came on against, uh, against Udinese. Milan's game plan, mm. and this was very much in the second half as well, after the first one had gone in, uh, when they conceded very early on to Beto, who's also becoming a, a bit of a standout performer this year. Milan's game plan basically revolved around in the for the majority of the second half and for much of the first. Ping it long to Zlatan. He will head it on, flick it on, and runners will get in behind. Zlatan was fine at flicking it on and taking it down, chesting it, flicking it um, with that sort of trademark long, long leg. And you know, you know when he sort of sticks his sticks his leg out from behind him and he and he sort of arches his body. He was doing that often, and it was it was pretty aesthetically pleasing to watch. There was just nobody getting in on the end of it. And then on top, their passing from defense to midfield to attack was just off, slow. Theo Hernandez is, is disappointing me so much this year. So much. He was one of the best fullbacks in the world last year. Now he's struggling again. Um, I will, will add a caveat to that. Wouldn't that be down to Udinese's setup under their new, I want to say, caretaker in Gabriela Choffi, who I want to say failed twice over here in League One and League Two, um, and now is in, in Italy as a coach. But has he set them up? Uh, probably the same way as the previous manager did, like a three-five-two. Yeah, so, yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah, kudos to Nazi. By the way, they were very disciplined and organised, but they never really had too much to think about with Milan anyway. No, I, I, I saw the stats, and it looked like Slatan scored with only Milan's first shot on target, so it was deadly. Goes to show. Goes to show. Uh, yeah, true. Uh, yeah, it's just that, that that thing I wanted to bring up was that they've been a bit leggy recently. I watched the game against Sassuolo where Sassuolo, uh, like, very high. They passed the ball fantastically. Yeah, the blueprints of the formation from last season are in, are in play this season. And um, Milan in the Champions League, I know that it wasn't there a year and they caught some flack on on talk sport over here in the UK those ridiculous comments I'm surprised that well I'm not I'm not surprised yeah. that because the radio station is called talk sport so they need to obviously talk a lot of sport but it's basically they, they have the radio station mm. over there just to rile people up man like <laughs> and then people get riled up on Twitter and it's like why are you like showing that they're geniuses mm. by making you riled up but they just needed something to talk about. I never expected Milan to get out of the group really this year. No, no, it's a it's a rebuilding sort of time for Milan that they've they've had what so they ended the season really well on the three months of it in the twenty nineteen year four where yeah yeah they truncated season. What are we twenty twenty one twenty two? So it was nineteen And then last season they started really well, and then uh, they were winter champions. And then they hit some rough patches around February March time, where with the derby they lost the derby three 0 Lukaku was the lion of 
of me of Milan and celebrated slightly. So um, they've, they're rebuilding. They've got some excellent players. I would not rule them out for a top four finish this season. They're still only a point off the top. They're still only a point off the top. And it's very early. I just feel as though, especially in the last two weekends, Inter's A squad is playing very well. Like their whole squad is playing very well. The depth, the depth of their squad is showing. But also they have probably some of the best standout performers in their first 11 on top this year. And it just feels like Milan and maybe Napoli in particular, who had a blistering start, have gone off the boil. Injuries, tiresome and all that. But it's still very early days. Yeah, of course. And you've got um, just this two weeks left of this year. And then they've got like a two-week break. And then they come back, what, 6th, 7th of January with um, with some games. I know Milan have got Roma first game back after the new year. That should be quite an entertaining game in Milan. Um, the game last season finished. You want to yeah, last game, the game last season finished three three, and that was probably one of the best games of the season. Uh, but it was with Fonseca. Yeah, I'm not going to say Fonseca Mourinho. I don't want to get in that to that debate. Oh God! Sorry, just for listeners who don't know, Scott is a Roma fan. Yeah, I'm a Romanista. Um, but on Milan, they'll be fine. Um. So I was just going to say the game last season uh, in the, in Milan, it was refereed horrifically. Two non-penalties given to both sides, but yeah. It's, yeah. Of course, but this is Syria. Everything's refereed horrifically, Scott. Come on, you knew that. Embra- embrace the chaos. I've been watching the league since the mid-90s on Channel 4 and just embrace and enjoy the chaos. But on Milan, um, I like what Pioli's doing. They've got this young side who are quite energetic. I know they're missing some key players due to injury, as we said. They will be fine. Um, not playing European football past the winter will be a blessing in disguise. Yeah. They've got yeah. one one game a week. Pioli can get his players fit and uh, raring to go. Any though? Any? Yeah. Yeah. They, have, they always have so much injuries. I think they really miss Leal and they really miss Ravich as well. Having Radu, having Radu Krunic on the left is not the one, man. Yeah, they're the two key players. Uh, I don't think anybody knows. Uh, no, no. Maybe what, in behind? What's his best position? Is it a central midfielder? Is it number 10? Is it off the left? Maybe no. in behind, but he's not. he doesn't even start the games. He's not, he's not a starter. Yeah. Massively. Real was... Probably one of the best. No, as you said, they are missing Liao and Rabbit. That is a uh, players in the league at, at the time when he got when he got injured. Mm. And Kier is going to be a massive loss at centre half because I don't feel comfortable if I was a Milan fan with Romagnoli pairing up with Tamori. Tamori looks so much better with Kier next to him. Romagnoli, as as we saw against Sassuolo, got absolutely bodied by Domenico Berardi, and it's going to happen once again more often in this season Serie A where Romagnoni gets found out we saw it in the derby last year and we uh, last season sorry and we saw it again not so long ago in Sassuolo where they embarrassed them it was it was it was a shellacking like Sassuolo came to shellacking is that a word Scott shellacking yeah it's a new one it is I'm going to steal that oh god yeah you must be bored watching cricket Yes, I've been watching too much cricket. So, um, nah, I'm joking. I like cricket myself. I'm joking. A lot of people don't. That's all right. It's just playing at Snow. But again, there's nothing, there's nobody else to play there. 
There's nobody else to play that, and they're going to have to deal with that the entire season. Um, like twice in six months, no, not six months, about eight months, Asuela have gone to Milan and embarrassed them. Um, and many clubs will do that when if Romagnoli is playing a centre off because I don't rate him. As a right, on the right, yeah. He's normally a fullback or. A- no. You could even put Kalulu there. Kalulu looks assured at centre half on the games I've seen him play, but does he? Is he normally? Sorry, just purely really like him on the right because um, can play can play as a winger. Basically, it's not. I don't know. I just don't think it's fair for purely to who's dealt with this by the way for two years of just shoehorning players in um, wherever he can. He's he's feeding off scraps. They've made some very astute signings under under Maldini. I just I just feel that they need they need more, but. I think they are still capable of a title challenge this year, but they're, they're going to suffer a, a little more. I think they need to start grinding these wins out. There's there's certain matches like this where you don't play that well and the chips are down, and especially now during it's winter time, and we've gotten past that sort of 10, 13, 14, 15 game mark where there's going to be games where you go, okay, we haven't played well this, this week, but we got plus three. Hmm. It's a sign of champions, though, is it? When you're playing bad and you're eking games out. Yes, yes. Inter, Inter have been doing it. Inter did it a week ago against uh, Venezia. Yeah. Inter did it against Asolo as well. Yeah. And Inter have won, is it seven out of eight in the last Serie A? The only draw was the yeah. derby. Inter yeah. just completely flying. And they've come out of nowhere and just taken top spot in a very truncated Serie A where Milan, Napoli, and is it Atalanta to a fourth? Is, Atalanta as well. I mean, we'll get on to them. Yeah. But also a word on Udinese, because I know we've been a bit selfish uh, focusing on Milan. Udinese set up very well. I think they'll be absolutely safe. Yeah. Isaac's success, his red card was jokes. Oh, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Hilarious. <laughs> what are you doing? He came on for five minutes. Came on for five minutes, barged Manien and Florenzi. And Florenzi. It was Florenzi. Yeah. I think it was. Oh, yeah. I forgot. In this match, yeah. There was a bit of a melee at the end. A bit of an old fishy cuffs. We love a melee. Especially in Serie A. Of course we do. But the, I think the benches were on as well. Yeah. Some of them. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't mess with Isaac's success. Um, he's a... Yeah, took a took a red card for the team. No, I um, what you said about Udinese, I think you'll be. I agree. I think they'll be fine. Um, I think they have stagnated as a club over the last couple of years because of the Pozzo reign. I think they probably just care about Watford and at the moment. But um, with the players that they've got, Neto, uh, not Neto, Beto. Sorry, I was thinking of the Brazilian keeper at Barcelona. Um, I think they'll be fine. Beto is yes, yes, absolutely fine. It's just coming into his own this season. I think. I think. First of all, the already one reg- run, one relegation spot is taken up by yes, Salernitana. Sorry <laughs> again, all the Salernitana fans. Um, and then I think the other two are sort of left to fight out from the three, four clubs above them. I think mm-hmm. Udinese would be fine, but it's still early days. Uh, Moving on from there, Atalanta got another th- plus three points against Verona. This is a difficult game to negotiate now. Tudor's got Verona playing very well. Cholito, Diego Simeone's son, is scoring for fun. 
Atlanta can actually play that well, but what we mentioned earlier in the in the podcast when we spoke speaking about Milan is games where you're not going to play well but win, and that's exactly what they did this week. Yeah, I watched this game on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, I earmarked this as a game to watch because both teams play really exciting football. It's going to be fun, yeah. Yeah, and as you said, Igor Tudor's got this Hellas Verona side playing really, really well. And just imagine if he actually took over in the summer instead of Di Francesco coming in and screwing it up for three games. Rest in peace, Di Francesco. And then Tudor came in for the Roma game and it's just been a different story. And he's got a tune out of Diego uh, Diego Simeone. (laughs) Gio Simeone. Yeah, his son. Oh, God, he's just fantastic took his goal brilliantly um some nice work got ahead of the atlanta defender and just calmly uh, to the side of muso like hellas dominated this game for the first 30 minutes yeah 35 minutes yeah then atlanta came in with the goal from moranchuk and then the second half uh my favorite player in Serie A at the moment uh the wonderful elegant left-footed dutch um defensive midfielder tun Coop Miners. Coop Miners. Yeah. Great player. Great signing for him. An absolute steal. I think it was 12 to 15 million euros. Um, was, was, they're always steals yeah. when it's when it's Atlanta. I mentioned it last week briefly, but I love how much and how high Atlanta's centre-backs push up. It's scary as well. If you've got a fast winger and you play against that high line, you're in, but... Yeah, but even that, even sometimes they don't even have a really a fast winger, but they have. It causes what it what, it, what happens then is if you've got a centre back that goes as high as Lloyd does, mm. but but he's also so good at progressing the ball as well as he does. Then also has a decent. Okay, he's not like the best passer in terms of defenders. There's better, but he's decent enough. What it also does is causes that area to or zone. You can create an overload in it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, they you can have. On the right, you can have Zappacosta and Miranchu come in and Dirun can join in as yeah. well. They all know their jobs, don't they? Um, like Darun can slot into as a fourth centre-back. Um, as, as you said, they go, when they defy, defend high, they go man for man. And they've got Palomino, uh, you've got Jim City, um, Medi Demaral, Taloy. Taloy can also slot in as a right back. I've known, seen Gasparini play like a back four a couple of times. Um, but yeah, um, I love watching this Atalanta side uh, under him. They really, they really start slow. Um, I love this Atalanta side. Yeah. <laughs> I've got some Atalanta friends on social media. Oh, yeah. Hook me up, man. <laughs> so if Con- yeah, if Connor Clancy is listening to this, yeah, yeah. Atalanta, he's a, he's a massive Atalanta fan, and he's got a he does a podcast in Italian football. So yeah, um, I love watching this Atalanta side. I think getting knocked out of the Champions League was probably not not fun, not the best thing. No, they could have won games against. I feel like they would take uh, yeah. the Europa League seriously because they could. They could win that essentially, and that's not. I feel like in the last few years, that's a tournament that's gotten not higher in prestige, but people rate mm. it a bit more. Do you know what I mean? So I think a few years ago, they they just sort of like oh, sort of brushed it off, but it's gotten better and better. It, it, it seems to have better teams every year in it. Yeah, um, I think they do well. Um, I can't remember who they got yesterday. I after the farce of the Champions League draw, I sort 
Uh, it didn't happen, did it? Not parts. No, no, but no, I as there's no such thing. There was no parts. They just regret it. It's just it's completely normal to try and rig a football game and then go. Oh, actually, sorry, it was so blatant. We're going to do it again. No, no, it's it's okay. It's just another manic Monday in in the game of football. That was. I mean, it was funny though. It was funny. It was. I'm just trying to see who they got. Oh, they got Olympiacos. That could be quite a good game to watch. That could be, yeah, I, I think he, he would play a second string team for that, maybe. Yeah, because it, it's a playoff round, isn't it? Because it's the the teams that finished second, I want to say, and against the teams who finished third in the Champions League group. Yeah, it's it's just a weird way they're doing it this season. But yes. no, because um, Atalanta have got Roma at the weekend on Saturday afternoon, and that's going to be a really good game to watch. I don't think us in the UK can watch it on TV because it kicks off at two o'clock, so you might have to find other ways of watching it. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> don't be promoting any of that here. No. We're only clear there's no such thing as there is no other ways to watch it. He says, "Wink, wink, 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 wink." No, that should be a good game to watch. Gasparini against Mourinho could be quite interesting. I know. Yeah, Mourinho with his pragmatic three-five-two. Roma do have Mancini and Zaniolo back. They missed the game yesterday for two suspension, but Atalanta they are looking yeah. hot form at the moment. They, as I said earlier. They start slow, but they, they get better as, as the winter gets colder. Atalanta get hotter, better and better. Yes, yeah. I think also, um, like I said, against against Elas, uh, they weren't at their best. No, they weren't. They weren't. Like I thought, they were fluent and brilliant against Napoli. Um, hmm. But they, this was a genuine. I don't think anybody should underestimate how good of a result this was. No, um, I think the guy who's doing the commentator uh, on the, the British feed said, this is the type of games you look on at the end of the season thinking, wow, we've done well here to get a result. Really have, really have. Cause, yeah, because they started really slowly and really poorly. Ge- uh, Genoa, sorry. Um, Hellas Verona really like pinned them in, like pushed them back and really attacked them really well. Simeone got his goal. And then <laughs> out of nowhere... Atalanta hit back with a Moranchuk goal and then the second half was just a completely different story. Um, Hellas sort of tired after an hour. I think so, yeah. I think they're still also adapting to this. Yeah, and a lot more robust yes, style yeah. of football under, under Tudor. But it's nice to see uh, Gianluca Caprari and and, uh, and Cholito combine. I love Caprari, man. He's been such a revelation under Tudor. Hmm. It's like... Um, I wanted to say, he was, would you say he was like a wasted talent over the last couple of years at Sampdoria and other clubs? I, there's a lot of players like that where you think, oh, he was wasted before. Maybe they just needed a different setup to get the, the best out of him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he has very much a, a free role in, in this, in this sort of, in this Verona team. You have him. Yeah. He plays up front. Roaming sort of like, not as much as Lorenzo Insigne does because he just pops up all over the pitch. Prouty has a bit more of a higher position to him, but he has more of a, a free role mm. to roam. Simeone is uh, obviously the lead striker, but then you either have Lasagna behind them or Musa Barak. And then Ivan Illich. 
um, as well as another good combo, uh, good pass from a midfield behind them. Like I love Barak. I, I love his style um, with his the socks rolled down. He just doesn't get, get care. Just an elegant player. Um, I love what Tudor's doing. Instant, instant brownie points for players who roll their socks down. Yeah, roll the socks, roll the socks down. But that's why we used to love Grealish. Yeah, and now you suck. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but no, this this had us team looking so much better and so more fluid than they did previously. One of the most exciting watch. Yes, yeah. I, I think you mentioned that earlier, but Verona and Sassuolo sort of outside the seven sisters. Yeah, are are, are the most exciting to watch. Also because you don't really need to play like that. Like normally, when you're a mid-table team, you can do what Udinese did this weekend and just set up to not fail, essentially. Mm-hmm. Just be pragmatic yeah. and set up to not to not to get beat. But if we can nick something, it'd be fantastic. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's a lot more braver to go the other way. Mm, totally agree. Sticking in line with teams that excite us, Sassuolo beat Lazio this weekend. The Camerasbury scored. Most importantly, though. A Domenico Berardi masterclass. I think all neutrals in Syria, or even all fans of Syria, always love it when Berardi does a Sassuolo masterclass. It's it's really good to see, and it's this season where he's doing it more than more often. Would you agree? I think for the last two years he has, though. I think he's been he's been one of the mm. he's been he's been their player, like their standout performer, Berardi. But even last year under Deserbi, he was great. Yeah. Um, um, I'm sorry. I'm just looking at the stats from from the game on the weekend. I'm just like, whoa! They've absolutely battered them. I saw the highlights yeah. yesterday, and I was just like, bloody out! It's just wave, wave, wave of Sassuolo dominance, and they broke them down in six second half minutes. Yes, it's lovely to see Giacomo Raspadori, Berardi, and Scamacca all combine up front now. And then if you Add in Triore or Jeremy Vogel can come on, then they're a real problem. And also, you've also got the nice, solid midfield partnership of Fratesi, who's come into his own this season. And uh, for me, one of the best centre midfielders in Italy because he's such a joy to watch is Maxime Lopez. Yes, yes, of course. He never, never gives the ball away. He's such a joy to watch. And he looks like a kid. Yeah. He, he looks like such a kid, though. Yeah. He, what, what, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. I, I was just mentioning it, but he, he's um, he, brilliant little midfielder. He's only 24, yeah. and you've got Davide Fratesi next to him. He's, I think, the world is at his feet. He's 2022, 20, um, ex Roma. Uh, I think he was ex Roma Academy player. I think it was part of the Lorenzo Pellegrini deal, and. He's like this season. He's come into his own after three loan spells away at Ascoli, Empoli, and Monza, and it's just like, oh my god, we've got they've got yeah. a player there. It's just like, whoa. Lazio lost again, um, sitting three points worse than they were this time last year. Maurizio Sarri was so annoyed he cancelled training uh, after the game. That's something. That wasn't there. Somebody he had a, a meeting with the players afterwards. I've I've read and yeah, yes, yes, and with the, with the chairman as well. Sari has got them playing Sari ball to a degree, but they just look again defense and goals is their problem. 
there's too many distances between defence, midfield and attack, I think. I think with Sari ball, it takes time. So, sorry, when you've played like a formation under Nzagi, which was the 3-5-1-1 or 3-5-2 uh, part of that, to go from that for five years to a, like a 4-3-3 of a hybrid attack formation, it's going to take time. So, I would expect Lazio to have a season where they're just outside the top six, top seven, where you see them play really well for a couple of games, but then stagnate for a couple of games. I think they're just trying to get the best set up with a 4-3-3. He's trying to find the best players. He got Petro, didn't he, for nothing. And he's a, he's a sorry disciple after his spell. He's done, he's, he's yeah. doing brilliantly well, I think. Yeah. I think there's been again he Lati have a problem with gold man. And also Sassulo love a big scalp. They love a, a big game and uh, they've put a lot of points off the big teams this year. Yeah, and they'll keep doing it and they'll keep doing it this season. Um like they did it against Napoli, uh they did it against AC Milan, which was one of the games to watch, and they beat in Juventus this season. Uh, they were unlucky against Inter. Um, Roma beat them at the end. Atalanta have beaten them. But yeah, they they like to take the scalp of the top seven side, don't they? Because they keep pushing to be one of those top seven sides. And they keep, uh, I want to say they just keep falling at the last hurdle. Like last season, they just fell on the final day to finish eighth. Yeah. I don't think their team is obviously built to like get in and, and compete with them but it's nice that just that they can be on the cusp sort of thing yeah they're 12th at the moment so I swear they're, they're only what um, 5 points off Juve in 7th 3 points off Empley who are in 8th and having an, an unbelievable season absolutely brilliant season at the moment yeah but, and they won at Napoli at the weekend, but there's some teams hovering around on the 23, 24 and 25 points just outside the top six, of which is Roma on 28. And then you've got Fiorentina on 30 and Napoli on 36. So yeah, it's exciting times with those sort of sides who are playing good football. Like you've got Sassuolo who had to Serbi last season. They've got in easy this season it will take time it's the same with Sari and Lazio it will take time it's just like how much time do these fans and the guys in the hierarchy upstairs have but just stick with them we had another not surprise necessarily well no yeah. what am I talking about this was a big surprise Napoli losing at home to Empoli gathered they had plenty of injuries coming into it no Pulvali no Fabian Ruiz no Lopoka Zielinski went off injured with a respiratory problem as well. So they were missing a lot of control in midfield. Lost a freakish goal. Freakish goal. Petrone um, headed it against Nguisa's head. Hit Nguisa's head, came back, hit Petrone and went in. I don't think Ospina knew much about it. That was a freakish goal to concede in a game where Napoli dominated and didn't have the luck. Um, 30 shots on goal. Controlled the possession had chance after chance after chance. They are missing key players and then they get undone at the end. I, I want, not the end, but late second half with the most freakish goal you will see this season. It was just, it was comical. And if you're a Napoli fan, you're thinking the world's against us again. And this, this dip in form has come at the worst time. Yeah, it really has been 
a dip in form. I recently lost to Atalanta, lost that game at Inter, but they've lost a lot of players as well. Um, I don't actually think Napoli though can take they might sort of AC Milan have stagnated, but they're not playing particularly well. I don't think Napoli are playing particularly bad. Would you agree? No, I just don't think they're getting the luck uh, that they probably deserve in the in these type of games. So what? It started off with what the Inter Milan game where they were quite unlucky. They had the chance right at the end. I think it was blazed over from a few yards out. They got back into it at three two, and then it's just. I think it's just faltered a little yeah, bit yeah. due to the injuries. The injury to Oshiman, well. which was a scary. In, it was a scary injury at first because he looked completely out of it against uh, against Inter in the San Siro. I think they're missing him up front. Uh, Dries Martins came in and did well for a couple of games. They've tried um, Patania. It's just not working. I, yeah. Well, try as you might, Patania just doesn't work. Sorry, Patania. He's just not. Not fit for Napoli quality, really. Yeah. Massive. No. It's a big game that now, yeah. Four points off the top now. It just it just feels like everything's going into his way. And plus, they've got a big game on Sunday, don't they, against Milan? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That might actually have a, have a big say in the title battle. Yeah, it's either the two Milan clubs and then you've got like Atalanta and Napoli just trying to play catch up. It's just Inter. Yes. Who have just been since mm, late October. They've just been a different team to watch. They've just hit the ground running. The tactics on Inzaghi's got his style of football and he's getting a tune out of Hakan Chanaloglu and it's just like, whoa, what is going on? And you think Napoli have enough to uh, go for a title push? There's only four points between Inter, Milan, Atlanta and Napoli, but with them sort of stagnating. But like I said, not playing particularly badly. You never know they get. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you could see, if it goes right, you could see back-to-back titles in Milan. But it's still early, it's still early days. It's ridiculously early days. And this, this league this season is chaotic. It's batshit crazy. Some injury, some uh, players back in. I think another underrated one, like I said earlier, where it was Fabian Ruiz has gone. I think they've lost a lot of control in midfield. They've lost a bit of calmness there as well. He is one of the. They, I reckon he's probably one of the best footballers in Italy. Just a pure technical footballer. He's improved. Yeah. Well, not improved, but he's sort of been reborn on yeah. Spalletti as well. Yeah. I thought last year he's he was getting a lot of flack, but he he's one of the players that have has been on the fruits of, of Spalletti's management, I feel. Yeah, I think Spalletti is probably a better manager than Gattuso. No no offence to Gattuso because he got Napoli playing some good football last season. But I think with him, and I think he's got a tune out of Osimhen up front. And, but if they didn't get these injuries, um, I, I would say yes. Yes. I, I think they would be, they'd be top. Without the injuries, they'd be top because they're not playing Worse, but they Worse. are going to miss three players due in next month due to the AFCON, aren't they? With, is it Koulibaly, Anguissa, and Ossiman? So that's a massive blow. Yes, yes, they will. More missing players. Just, yeah, we've spent a lot of time on this pod talking about missing players and injuries. <laughs> the last game on Sunday was home. 
at the San Siro for Inter, being Cagliari, swiping them away 4 0 very easily. Part and parcel. Inter are just a powerhouse at the moment. Really enjoyed doing it. Such a convincing win, wasn't it? 4 0 um, with a missed penalty. Uh, Cragno making an X. Yeah. Could have been so much more. It could have been so much more. Uh, Cragno saved so much for Cagliari. Yeah, that penalty save was excellent. Um, he made some very crucial saves. Um, Inter have this swagger at the moment where they did it against Roma last week where they won the game what, after 22 minutes after Dzeko scored. And then they've won the game on at the weekend just at a canter. It's, they're such a, I want to say a well-oiled machine at the moment, but there's such a joy to watch also because that midfield is dangerous to to play against Barella, Chanoglu. Yes. yes. Yeah, Brozovic. Barella yeah. is already dangerous, but now you have Hakan playing well. Like, as in, I think a lot of Milan fans were happy to see him go because they were like, oh, he's too inconsistent, this, that, the other. He he is now coming in, coming into the, his own. And it's, it's, to be honest, I think that setup pretty much suits him. And what a goal he scored. He scored two crackers in the last couple of weeks. He scored an Olympico, Olympico goal last week where we haven't had one for a while and then we get two in the in the same weekend with Juan Cuadrado scoring one. And then he got one. He scored an absolute bouter on Sunday where just, oh my God, he just fainted, cut him from the left and just took one into the top corner. And so... <laughs> there isn't a player since... 2012-13, who scored more goals from outside the box apart from one. You guess who it is? Uh, so Hakan, Hakan's second in terms of scoring the most goals outside the box since 2013-14. What league do they play in? No, no, you don't get that. You don't get that. Argentinian, obviously. Well, this is going to give me a win. It's messy, isn't it? Oh, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> yes. Who loves it? No, great, great goal. I think quite a few of them were good goals. Did you see Sanchez's? Oh my God, yeah, the Barella. Brilliant. Oh, yeah. Oh. Barella's alley-oop to the Sanchez yeah. and the goal. Yeah. Someone videoed that from the stands and that's gone a little bit viral on social media. That's just like, oh. it was. It was very, all of Inter's goals were so good to watch. I would argue that at times, because let's not, I think football is, people get fickle very quickly and, and they get overexcited too often. Everything is over exaggeration football, but Conte's interplayed devastatingly good counter-attacking football. Yes, yeah. I mean, Inzaghi's interplay good, patient football. Is it more possess- uh, possession-based with the it's with the same setup? Possession-based, yeah, more possession-based. It's less vertical, I think. It's less direct. Like it was very under Conte, it was very switch the ball quickly from the wings, wing backs go down. Uh, strikers come, come deep for the ball but it's it's very very good to watch but it does feel as though um, Inter have a lot to call upon it's a big squad and an, a good depth of I think they've pretty much got all the bases covered apart from a backup goalie um, so I think next season they're looking for uh, a younger goalkeeper which I think is on Yes, yeah. I think they should, uh, as soon as possible they should. And Danovic flaps a lot. Yes, uh, I don't think he's been at his best for about 15 months. Uh, I think... I think you're going to say 15 years. I was like, that's a bit hard. 
No, no, no. He's he's, he's oh, he was brilliant for Udinese. I just think the last fit twelve fifteen months he hasn't been at his best. There is rumours of Andre Anana, and I think that will be that'll be an excellent signing, especially in in Zaghi ball where he can what the style of football I would suit would suit him like patient build up can bring the ball out. I don't think this. This style of football really suits Handanovic. I don't think he's the best with the ball at his feet. No, 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 he's not, no. Excellent shot stopper, not good with distribution. Yes. Marcelo Brozovic's performances, by the way, are scarily, scarily good at the moment. He's so good at what he does. It's becoming incredibly consistent now. I think he's one of the best midfielders, if not the best midfielder in the league. He's the conductor, isn't he? He starts the attacks. He's such an elegant player in the midfield. And hopefully it's good news for Inter in the next week or two where there's rumours of him signing a new contract extension. I think that'd be gladly... I think that'd be vital for him. Yeah, gladly welcomed with open arms by the Inter Inter Easty fans because he's a pivotal part to that Inter midfield. He is... Yeah. I think that I think it wouldn't be an over-exaggeration to say that's number one and two midfielders in the league. Yes. Yeah. At the moment. At the moment. Like you can't, I don't think you can argue with it, but he's been routinely consistent ever since probably Conte came in. Yeah. Um, he's fabulous at breaking off the moves. He's fabulous at starting the moves. He can even be an attacking outlet if you, or option if you if you want him to be. He's box to box. He's he's brilliant. I'm looking forward to seeing him go up against Liverpool. Oh god, yeah, that'd be that that. Oh, that'd be a brilliant game to watch. That'd be a great game. I think that's it's, that'd be yeah. that'd be two two fantastic ties. I think it'd be very close, and it'd be interesting to see. And I think if Brozovic does stay, I think that'll be music to the ears of the Inter fans and a bit sad to see of the probably the Premier League fans where there was rumours of him joining Tottenham oh no yeah I think on a pre-contract imagine if if the rumours were true and then you had a, a midfield double pivot or to to add to the midfield of Conte of Kessie and Brozovic mm. <laughs> that'd be music to Tottenham fans ears but that'd be strong yeah I think in the last couple of weeks, what we're seeing is basically the title pendulum is swinging into his way. Good change. Yes. Good change. The last two weeks have been very good for the, for the increase. Um, I know Atalanta are getting better and better, but Milan and Napoli are having troubles at the moment and into look like a machine. But, um, it's, it's just getting better with, the, with each week. That's all we have time for this week on ADR, Area Territory, episode three in the can. Thank you ever so much for joining me, Scott. No worries. Thank you for having me on. And thank you to Zach, who slid into my direct messages yesterday evening. Oh, Zach slid into the DMs. Yeah, and asked me if I wanted to join. And I think, yeah, it was really good. Really enjoyed it. Lovely. Pleasure to have you, Scott. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll be back next week with more Calcio. Please check out all the articles and more podcasts on breakingthelines.com. See you next week. Thank you. Ciao.